Welcome to The Dog Show, a podcast for dog mums and dads who like to spoil their pups and care for their well-being. I'm your host, Will Blunt, and every week I interview global experts about dog health, nutrition, behaviour, trends, and much more. Let's sink our teeth into this week's episode. In this episode of The Dog Show, we welcome back Dr. John Morgan. John is a partner veterinarian at Gordon Vet Hospital, where he specializes in orthopedic conditions and arthritis in dogs. In the interview, we discuss parasites in dogs, including dog parasite symptoms, the most common parasites, and how to treat your dog for parasites. John, welcome back to The Dog Show again. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Will. Pleasure to be here. As always, as always. So I want to talk to you today about parasites. It sounds like a horrible word, but what are parasites and how do they relate to dogs? Yeah. So I guess, I mean, the the term parasite really uh, applies to uh, any species that is benefiting from a host species, but in detriment to the host species. So the um, I guess you're, you're looking at anything that sort of latches on and takes nutrients or benefits from the host, and and that you know can be a range of of effects. So you know fleas fleas are probably the most common parasite that will be ubiquitous across the world in dogs. Um, and they in small numbers they're not going to cause too many issues. In large numbers they can lead to anemia or potentially spread disease. So that that's I guess you, you and you look at other diseases like heartworm, and that one actually is a worm that resides in the heart, as the name suggests, right. and that can actually lead to heart disease or congestion within the heart and potentially death. So we're, we're looking at, when we're talking about parasites, we, we do try and obviously eliminate parasites as much as we can. It's also worth noting that parasites aren't always going to cause major disease or, or major issues um, in small numbers. Okay. So you touched on a, a couple of them then, heartworm and fleas, ticks. What, what, what are the other common parasites that we're talking about? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's a host of uh, intestinal worms. Um, yep. Obviously, that's, that's another big one, which is as probably as a result of dogs' behaviors. You know, they're, they're very close, very social animals. So, worms do really get a free ride on that. And, and obviously, humans can get worms as well, but dogs have quite a range of, of different species of intestinal worms. And, that, and they range from, you know, tapeworms, which are quite long in a lot of cases, or even, uh, and really small worms like um, whipworms and roundworms. Um, mm-hmm more whipworms, they're quite short and, and can cause anemia as a result of, of consumption of blood. Okay. And, and uh, the parasites that dog owners should be looking out for are different in Australia than they are elsewhere? or Yeah. Um, so a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the parasites we see here are very, very common around the world. So a lot of intestinal worms are, are pretty much um, worldwide. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of variation depending, depending on where you are in the world. It's not really any, I guess, Australian-specific diseases that I can think of. But, yeah, we we do see a a range of of different worms here that won't necessarily be overseas. There's also a a more rural disease called Echinococcus, which has a really major health implication for humans. So Echinococcus is actually a a parasite that forms cysts in the tissues of animals like sheep and kangaroo after they accidentally eat the the parasite from dog feces in the environment. They take that in, it forms cysts in the tissues, and dogs actually, when they eat that meat, uh, they, they become inf- infested or infected with that parasite. And if we happen to accidentally ingest the, the worm eggs from dogs, so if 
often kids playing in sand pits or, or being in quite close contact with dogs, they happen to pick that up and it forms large cysts within us and it can actually be fatal. So right. um, one example of a, a rural Australian disease that's quite important to know about. Is that pretty rare though, I imagine? Or It's not uncommon. Um, so dogs uh, in rural settings, it's really important to keep them up to date with regular deworming, especially if they've got access to um, raw meat um, or if they're being fed raw meat uh, in that sort of you know, in that they're getting kangaroo meat or potentially just leftover lamb meat, that will definitely uh, predispose them to Is that because they could be getting, like eating wild meat as well, like raw meat when they, they find somewhere? Kind of often, yeah. Often yeah. it's sort of carry-on or um, it's 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 a, a kangaroo that's died in the field or been shot and not picked up. So they'll they'll have a go at it and unfortunately pick up that parasite. Right. Um, okay, so how do we, yeah, you, you briefly touched on treating the, these parasites or the prevention of the parasites, yeah. what does that look like? Yeah, so uh, most of it these days is is oral. Most products come in a, a tablet or a tube form. Mm-hmm. It depends on what we're treating. So intestinal worms uh, are largely treated by a deworming tablet, which obviously you have to make sure it covers tapeworm as well as roundworms. And then fleas and ticks are usually covered by either another product or an all-in-one product. So there are a couple of products that are trying to cover everything yeah they're not quite there there's a few gaps in in most of them okay. if not all of them sorry but yeah we're, we're, we're generally giving an, an oral form to to make sure that we're keeping ticks at bay in in the east coast of australia especially where they can cause um death as a result of what's called tick paralysis mm. uh, but also importantly fleas which, which definitely can you know not only cause irritation but again if they're in high numbers they can cause anemia and annoy us by biting us so when you said there's gaps in the medicine is that saying that just because I've had the tablet doesn't necessarily mean I, I wouldn't get tick pra- a tick and a tick paralysis kind of thing? Uh, well, yes. Well, not me. Not my you. dog. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't be taking the tablet as well. No, um, but I could still get a tick. <laughs> you could theoretically. My mum gets them all the time. Yeah. In the backyard. And, and that's it. Yeah. And in settings where that's occurring, we see the tick, we pull them off or we've yeah. got somebody looking out for us yeah. or you'll start to feel a bit unwell and yeah. you'll yank it out. Dogs don't have that luxury. You know, they can pour at an area, but um, they often don't feel it or they um, they can't dislodge the tick. And that, if that stays there for three to four days, they'll start to develop signs of tick paralysis. So on that, I guess we do rely very heavily on these products. Um, they seem to work really well, but nothing is foolproof. So uh, we always recommend regular checks in this area to remove ticks. But yeah, most of the oral drugs actually do provide um, constant protection from fleas and ticks now, which is good. What's actually happening, I've often wondered, with the, the flea and tick medicine? Like, is it scaring them away or do they still bite but it just prevents the, the paralysis side of things? Yeah, a really great question. Well, yeah, it's um, so they'll, they will bite. They will need a small amount of blood, which has the, the drug in it um, or the preventative in okay. it. And then once they've taken that, they'll actually die. So it does, okay. it does kill them as a result of feeding and they'll drop off and, and sort of fall off into the environment without reproducing. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've, it's an important thing to know about because I know... I've had a friend who dog got tick paralysis. They were, they ended up being okay, but like it was kind of like went like they went to bed that night and halfway through the night woke up and like was limp at the back legs and um you know drained from energy and like vomiting and all this like horrible horrible yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's a really and nice it can come on really quickly by yeah. the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. So once because the, the toxin um takes a long time to accumulate from the first bite. So right. unfortunately, the ticks are often there for, for quite some time. But once they hit that four-day mark, the symptoms come on really quickly. Right. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, it is fatal. So um, dogs, you know, stop being able to breathe or they get uh, a really bad lung infection. And it's really, really quite detrimental 
and really important to get to a vet, obviously. This isn't something that goes away. No. Once you remove the tick, they do need to get an anti-serum and they need to be treated immediately. Yeah. I guess that's why it's so important to know. I mean, obviously, if you've got a vet that you trust nearby, great. But if it's overnight or something, you need to know where your emergency vets are. It's always well. worth having that card. I, I, yeah. You know, we always give out the emergency hospital's card to mm. make sure you've got it on the fridge because the last thing you want to do is to, to sort of have that panic or... or not mm. be sort of ready to go. So it's, it's always worth sort of doing your research before something happens because, yeah, emergencies happen all the time. Yeah, I remember one time, and, and Frankie has the the monthly NexGuard, which yep. is the brand here in Australia, which covers a few of those parasites, I believe. But I remember one time she was sitting on my lap and, like, I was just, like, patting her or something and I noticed, like, a black tick. Oh, you found it? flicked it off her, nice yeah. One. Yeah, before but it had attached. Before it had attached. Yeah, good one which is, you know, I didn't really know what a tick looked like, but obviously, I mean, after seeing that, I, I kind of knew afterwards. Yeah, so but, they kind of look like a, you would have been like a modified spider. Yeah, the way a they little move. black thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So And they come in, so here, um, well, the species that we often see here have different life cycles as well. So they can range in size from, you know, the size of a tip of a pen and they can actually go up to sort of quite large, so almost a centimetre in diameter when fully engorged. So depends on the life cycle as to the size of the, the tick, mm. um, whereas fleas a little more commonly are, are quite small and you don't often see them. But what you do see is part of the hair, there'll be lots of little black dots from where they've been feeding and, and leaving right. a, uh, basically a bit of poo behind, which is the dried blood of the dog. Yeah, so what are the main differences between a flea and a tick then? Um, yeah, so fleas are, fleas are insects and then uh, ticks are technically arachnids, so closer to spiders. Okay. Um, and they, uh, yeah, they're... The ticks do need to sort of really latch on. So they, they form a cement to actually adhere their mouthpiece to the dog and they don't move. Some ticks do do move a little bit, but they're sort of stationary while they take a decent size feed. But mm. the tick that we get here it actually latches onto one spot and it doesn't move until it drops off and then goes through its next life cycle. Fleas, they've got the run of the house. So they um, go from spot to spot getting small meals of blood and they, they tend to focus around the uh, tail base or um, sort of at the bottom of the tail on the back all the way up sort of midway on the back um, and, and can be seen anywhere on the dog sort of crawling away. As soon as you part the hair, they'll often scamper away like mice in light. Okay. Yeah, so let's talk about treating them a little bit more. So say, for example, you've got the, the monthly, you know, tick and flea prevention tablet, yep. which is what I do. But let's just use my example. So I use a monthly flick and tea Flicking tea, flick and tea. <laughs> tick yep. and flea yep. uh, tablet, and then I think it's a three monthly intestinal worm one. Would that yep. that be right? That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so let's say you're doing that. What else can I be doing to to watch out for parasites and, and yeah to keep my dog safe? Well, as always, you know the, the standard caveat for me is talk to your vet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you you can actually be pretty savvy on preventing them in an external setting as well. Okay. So fleas. Um, flourish in domestic environments, surprisingly enough. A lot of people say, oh, my dog hasn't been anywhere or, you know, how did this flea burden happen? They actually do really, really well in houses because they're well protected from the elements. We usually have nice climate control, keeping things, you know, at a nice stable temperature for them to reproduce. And so by doing things like regularly vacuuming the areas that dog's commonly in and keeping that area sort of free of dander, they don't have the food that they need to, to then go on to the next life stage, which is on the pet. So they'll, as an egg and a larvae, they'll actually live in the carpet or the floorboards right. um, and then they'll sort of come up from there afterwards to feed the dog. So removing dander and, and keeping the area clean is really helpful for preventing that. Ticks, obviously they don't get indoors. They love the outdoors. And, and prevention for that one is, is your 
most importantly, your oral stuff or, or getting a product that actually prevents them um, once they do attach. But obviously, yeah, just being wary of certain areas. And if you do see a, a tick on your pet, just think back a couple of days and think, where would I have picked that up? So mm-hmm. have you been on a bushwalk or have you got um, wildlife in the backyard that might be bringing that into the, the backyard? It's worth sort of looking at those settings so that you can be a little more proactive on stopping that attachment, especially um, noting that while we don't have tick diseases in the paralysis tick, there are a lot of dog specific tick-borne diseases or basically diseases that are spread by ticks. So it's really, really important to make sure that uh, if you're in those areas, just to make sure that you're thinking about the ticks that are attaching. Interesting. The cleaning one, I'm sure if I tell my wife, that'll make me need to clean a lot more. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. keep me busy. (laughs) Keep me busy. So what do I do? Like what am I looking out for if maybe my dog has already been infected by a parasite? What do I need to do then? Yeah, well, and sometimes you, you'll have no idea. And yeah, yeah. in fairness, if, if dogs have a, a worm burden, a lot of the times it'll be, as a puppy especially, they'll they'll just have a pot belly and they won't seem to, to grow as well as they should. Mm. I mean, it's only until after you worm them that you see all the worms actually come out because they're not, they're not being shed. You won't actually see them. They'll be residing internally. So we need to use tools like fecal floats or just regular treatment. To, to try and fecal floats what are they yeah <laughs> sorry yeah uh, so a, a fecal float is basically a, a way of testing for eggs so we'll often take a little bit of feces and put a, a salted water or water with a high salt content and that'll actually cause all of the eggs to float to the top of that solution and then we can actually use that to, to look for um, the eggs or larvae of, of certain parasites right so that's what you're doing to find it but what can you do at home yeah, well, I guess what am I looking out for? Yeah, I guess that would be the main one would be a, a lack of yeah, weight bloating gain. and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, even muscle tone starts to okay. to, um, to diminish quite significantly and they'll seem to eat a lot of food but never really gain weight that well. Right, because the worm's taking all the food. That's it. That's yeah. the job. <laughs> yeah, and I guess with the, the flea and tick, what are the difference in the symptoms there? Yeah, well, so again, a real range. So a lot of dogs, so the um, everyone thinks that a dog with fleas will be itchy. Yeah. So I imagine that's sort of... Um, the first sign you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. Not always 100% consistent with fleas. So right. um, dogs actually have to have an allergy to flea bites to then be itchy. So there's a lot of dogs that will have quite a high flea burden and they'll just be happy as Larry. They, they don't know that anything's going on. It's only after your treatment and the fleas are wriggling oddly or, or acting a bit differently that they get very agitated temporarily, but they may be completely asymptomatic except for a lot of the times blood loss. So mm. um, they can be quite anemic as a result of fleas. But yeah, certainly fleas, you'd look for itching. Ticks, again, depending on the area, that you may not have any signs, which is why it's worth always doing a, a pretty thorough check if you're in a tick-affected area. Yeah. And and what's the easiest way to do that check is kind of like run your hands along the dog's yeah. fur? Hands, hands tend to be um, not as sensitive. Okay. So we actually tend to push for fingertips. Yeah. And um, you can sort of, incorporated in, in a, as a bit of a pat. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, obviously, dogs come in all shapes and sizes, different fur coats, but we generally recommend running your fingers uh, along the dog in, in sort of a against the fur fashion. So you're running running your fingers all the way. I'm sure I have an example here. <laughs> Sorry, you can't do it on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you want to you run your hands um, with your fingers first all the way along the dog, especially around the face. So um, Ixodes holycyclus is our local paralysis tick and that one generally lives around the face and right. neck so i think 
it's something like over 90% are found in that area. So focusing your efforts around the, the face and neck because they think that it's carbon dioxide coming out of the nose and mouth that stimulates them. And then obviously do the rest of the body all the way up to the tail tip and in between the feet. Um, not only does that help you find a potential tick, which feels like a little bump or a lump, almost like a mole, um, but it'll also give you the opportunity just to, to look for other masses and, or tumors potentially and, and obviously help with that bonding experience um, so that the dog gets a lot more comfortable with that as well. So how often would you recommend doing that? Um, I guess it depends on the area. I, I in a Before the days of prevention, we were saying daily in yeah, tick-affected right. areas. We were seeing probably upwards of 150 cases per season of, of dogs that needed to be hospitalized for mm. tick treatment. That's obviously was our main defense at the time. But the prevention's made it a little bit easier, but I'd, I'd probably still say at least every second day. Um, okay. Even if that's incorporated into a, a good old pat. Yeah. And even if it's just focused around the head and neck, I think if you're in a tick-affected area, it's worthwhile. Okay. So if we went back and kind of summarized everything to do with parasites and parasite prevention for dog owners, what I'm hearing you say is obviously you need to get some prevention medication yep. that you can have on a regular, I guess, a regular cadence yep. based on whatever you choose what product you choose and what your vet recommends. On top of that, you can do these things that you're discussing just to watch out for symptoms, but also checking your dog for, for parasites. Yeah, I, I think so. Watching for symptoms is a big one. And, and if you're noticing anything different about eating habits, talk to your vet. We do uh, definitely, uh, it's worth noting that uh, we do have some resistance creeping in with treatments as well. So um, right. we've already seen evidence of fleas not responding to, to certain older generation flea treatments and intestinal Wormers not being effective for the whole spectrum of intestinal worms. So, if sometimes vets will just throw dewormers at the situation, but sometimes it's worth you know maybe pushing a little bit more for fecal testing or, or look into it if you if you feel that something's going on there. It's good to know that because I feel like I mean I per, I personally have I, I think I've switched off and said oh, I'm I'm giving the Covered. the tablets. Yeah, we're good here. Yeah, we're it's good a, here. It's a dome of protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not quite the case. So uh, there's definitely um, a couple of examples of intestinal parasites that have shown res increased resistance over time and and unfortunately that's going to be the case as we mm. go forward with these products and fleas especially, you know, we had a run where dogs just weren't responding to the treatments that we had available. So luckily we've had this new generation, but it's worth keeping in mind that Probably not ticks, but certainly fleas may get to the point where they're not they're not responding as well because of resistance. Yeah, and as you said, that's probably. I mean, the the drug companies I imagine are going to be improving that and following that those trends as well. Exactly. Um. So it's good to be kind of keeping up the cadence of, of buying the, the products as well. Yeah, and keeping it up to date, and also looking not just relying on it blindly, as you mentioned. So mm. the the cleaning and preventative strategies that we talked about are also really clean important. your house <laughs> well, <laughs> that's keep, a big the, takeaway <laughs> keep the dog areas tidy and wash the dog's bed it's a big one okay yeah because they'll, they'll live pretty comfortably in there for years yeah okay so how often should you be washing a dog's bed well i mean yeah it's a tricky one i, I probably or, or my bed if it sleeps on <laughs> you should do sheets weekly that's my approach but I mean, monthly is probably acceptable. Okay. Um, if they're a particularly clean dog, obviously if the, the bed gets dirty, then chuck it in the wash. But yeah. I think monthly would be fine, even every two months for a particularly clean dog. But a hot cycle is often recommended to just really eliminate those fleas. So if you're looking at dog beds to buy, just make sure it does have that little tick washable. washable. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess you don't see see those things in on the bed, right, until they're, it's too late. Exactly. And you can't see them microscopic. So yeah. Unless you got your magnifying glass out, you're going to be seeing. Um, on the uh, the prevention side of things, there will as well. I think there's been a bit of a trend to sort of 
targeting some of the preventions as being more dangerous than treating. Oh, right. Yeah. The tablets. Yeah. There's a few sort of online movements or Facebook pages against the product you mentioned, NextGuard and Brevecto. Um, Our experience is far from that. I mean, we've never really seen a reaction and we're using them pretty liberally. Um, What type of reactions are they talking about? Range depending depending on the group um, on Facebook. So some of them, you know, talked about seizures. Some of them talked about other, um, you know, fatalities associated with it. The drug companies that produce them have stood by it and and Mm. they haven't. Uh, found any evidence that there has been um, any sort of reactions that have been noted by these pages. But um, our experience, just to weigh in, is that they're generally providing a better service than than causing illness. Uh, I can't think of a case in recent Well, time. my personal experience, I've had dogs for over 15 years in my life and we've always used those products yeah. and we've never had a tick or a flea and we've also never had, you know, those bad side effects you're speaking about. So that's just one example. But you know, I trust them. So. And, and I think that the generational change, like yeah. the NextGuard Brevecto and all the other oral Leantic products, at least here, mm. have probably saved thousands, if not um, tens of thousands of dogs' lives. So tick, tick paralysis is definitely a big killer here, unfortunately. Um, and, and we've been grateful to see a real reduction in those case numbers from our perspective, yeah. um, which which is great because it's a horrible disease. And yeah. We don't want to see it anymore. Well, I guess as well, I mean, it's like with any medication, there's probably going to be outliers where there are bad side effects. It doesn't react well. Like everyone's slightly different. It's the same with humans. There's yeah. going to be examples where something, you know, you've got an allergy to it or something, you know. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to say that they're 100% guaranteed safe because that, yeah. that's obviously not the case. We are always taking a risk with any medication. Unfortunately, yeah. there is a bit of a balancing act between medication, their side effects, and medication in terms of their benefits. but for us, it's it's a no-brainer. Like, um, stick to the stick to the best product available for tick prevention, and uh, it in a lot of cases will save your dog's life. I agree. Well, John, thanks so much for sharing all that advice about parasites. It's been really interesting. I've learned quite a lot, and I'm sure everyone else has as well. well hopefully, one thing one thing per podcast is what they need from me. <laughs> yeah, no, it keeps it simple for me as well. <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much, Adrian. Well, thanks, John.